Hey everybody, welcome back to Discipleship Podcasts put on by the Bend International Church of Christ. I'm Joey Hungerford and I'm excited that you've tuned in. It is now 2024 and we are going into season nine, talking about disciple making through the month of February and countercultural hot topic issues in the month of March. So please stick around for the three or four episodes on disciple making and not just skip forward to the hot topics of race gender, sexuality, politics coming up in March. I hope you stick around for all of it. Hey, if you haven't yet, please share with a friend, like this podcast, give it a good rating, maybe even a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a blessed day. Just want to start with a little bit of recap from last week. We're going to be talking about forgiveness Uh, Last week I said that um, it was kind of the intro to forgiveness uh, for this week. And we're talking about Acts 760, about Stephen and him being stoned uh, and his response. So, Lord, don't hold hold this against them. And we talked about uh, Luke 23, 34, which was Jesus popping up on the cross saying, um, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And just uh, really, really incredible statements of uh, grace and forgiveness. Uh, Talked about grace uh, equals unmerited forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we earn it? We can't. How do others earn it? They can't. So why why should we give forgiveness? Why should I not enact judgment? These are some questions that will be addressed um, throughout the sermon, and uh, the, they'll be addressed. And then you know, need a lot of discernment um, if that is something that you're currently facing or currently struggling with or dealing with. Uh, go ahead and turn over to Matthew 18. We're going to start here and spend a lot of our time here in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, and I'm going to start in verse 21 and read all the way down to verse 35. Reading from the NLT. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, he couldn't pay so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man 
who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. All right. The last part's kind of heavy. It's all kind of heavy, but um, that's that. So here we have the unforgiving servant who can't seem to forgive the debt of someone else um, that asked for more time. We're going to look at these debts for a moment. So uh, NLC says millions of dollars. Uh, NIV, ESV, some translations say 10,000 uh, 10, talents or 10,000 bags of gold, which the amount of one Syrian talent is thought to be around $237, um, approximately. Um, and so, you know, if, it, if it's not that, it's more. Um, if it's not a Syrian talent, it is more. But that is what's, when it's talking about here in Scripture, that's what it's thought to be uh, referring to. So, at least $237, one, one talent. Um, and you owe 10,000 talents, which is millions of dollars. Um, his master forgave him millions of dollars that he was never going to be able to get back. Uh, he took on the debt himself so that he could forgive his servant. That's the first debt. That's the first servant. The second servant owed uh, the first servant thousands of dollars, or tra- other translations say 100 denarii. One denarii was equal to about one day's worth of work. And so this was 100 days, 100 days of wages. Um, already you can see kind of a gap between the two amounts. The first servant did not understand the magnitude of the debt that he was forgiven and thus could not um, I'm sorry. First servant did not understand the magnitude of the debt that was paid off. If he had, he would have forgiven the debt of his fellow servant or at least given him the time that he had asked. He, as the master said, would have had mercy. Comparably, the two amounts are very different. One talent is equal to about 6,000 denarii, which, again, that would be 6,000 days worth of work, which is a lot. That is a long time for one, denar- for one talent for denarii. The first debt is, without a doubt, unpayable. The servant would, the master would have been right to do what it said to sell him, sell everything he owned, and still would not have been enough. It still would not have made up the debt. The debt of the second servant is pretty workable. It's a lot, but it's still pretty workable. Um, can be achieved. That's not what the unforgiving servant thought, though. That's not what, where his heart was at. The unforgiving servant was forgiven the debt, but could not forgive a debt himself, and there was no mercy to be had, just his own justice. So we continue, we're going to look at, you know, forgiving from the heart. 
Jesus tells us where this disconnect is in the story, which is the heart. If our hearts are unmerciful or without grace, then we will act in vengeance or self-righteous justice. The first servant wanted justice against his fellow servant instead of mercy. And in seeking this out, he condemned himself because he could not have had grace and mercy like his master. The question that comes to mind with this is what makes us have this kind of heart? What makes us have a heart to seek justice for ourselves and not forgive and to not give mercy? We can often be like the first servant in the sense that we have a debt that is completely unpayable. Right? We, we are sinners. We have Jesus died on the cross, and there's nothing we can do to achieve, you know, to atone for that. It's grace that is given freely. We have a master who is willing to pay off the debt for us, willing to take on the burden of that debt himself. I was reading a book by Timothy Keller, uh, and he has a quote in there that I really enjoy, which is, when you, when you forgive, you assume the full cost of what is being forgiven. He gives an example of a broken lamp. Say a friend comes over, and he, this friend breaks a lamp in your living room, and you say, they say, oh, I'll pay for you. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You are taking on the price of that lamp. Either you're going to pay for a new lamp, or you're going to go without it, and the room is going to be darker. Either way, when you forgive, you take on that debt. You take on that, uh, the price of what it is to forgive. And it's easy to compare that with monetary things, but it's more than just monetary things. It, is, uh, it can be time, it can be reputation. Uh, and those things are a lot harder to replace, a lot harder to uh, to bring back to what they were. It could be easy to be like this unforgiving servant. Rather, it's easy for a heart like this to sneak up on us. A heart unchecked goes from giving mercy to granting our own justice, but we're, we're called to show grace like Christ. Um, I have a personal example that I want to share. Um, as a kid, I was verbally and emotionally abused uh, by my dad, and I was taught uh, taught in the ways of toxic masculinity of don't cry or I'll give you cry, something to cry about. Very much uh, um, can't show emotions. I'm taught to if I show emotions, it's a bad thing. And eventually, I learned that. Eventually, I snapped and said, "Okay, I won't show emotion." Um, you know, it was great when I was dealing with my dad as a kid um, in that moment to disconnect, to not be able to feel any kind of thing when he was yelling at me. Um, I look back at that and it's a hard time. <laughs> and what this led to was me distancing myself from him. Um, and wanting to hold this against him. Now, I will say, it is important when 
there's a hurt to set boundaries. It is not unforgiving to set boundaries. There's a right way to do that, and there's a wrong way to do that. Um, and it can even help the other person if you say, hey, I need to set this boundary. Because it's a, there was a hurt, and I'm forgiving you, but I also want to help you too. Uh, just a side note about that. It took years for me to want to form this relationship with my dad to begin to forgive him. Um, we're at the point now where he shares vulnerability with me sometimes, uh, emotion and all, and I'm tempted to be very apathetic. I'm tempted to say, I wasn't allowed to show emotion, so why should I allow you, or why should I care? Why should I allow this? And, you know, that's, that's the heart of the first servant. That's the unforgiving heart. When he first shared his emotions with me, like I said I was apathetic, unforgiving, and remembering the hurts. Most recently, uh, parents have been going through a rough time. Sister left the home pretty soon after she turned 18. My mom was in the hospital for a short period of time. Uh, and all these things just kind of stacked up in my dad. And I talked to my dad, and he was just um, emotionally barking. Putting it all out there. We talked for about an hour about how he's feeling. All the while, this battle in my heart of why should I care about your emotions? And it's during this battle when, it's during this battle that I forgive. It's during this battle of a, I've already forgiven you, but yet now I have to continue to forgive you. It is an already and a not yet. Kind of like I talked about a few weeks ago. It is a, I have forgiven you from the past, but now I have to forgive you again. Mm -hmm. How many times do we have to forgive? Seven times 70. That's not a literal number. That's not a literal, all right, seven times 70. What is that, 490? I have to, 490 times, that's it. It's not that. It is a, an uncountable amount of, of times to forgive. So when it, comes, when it comes to parents, friends, coworkers, or even other disciples, they can hurt us, and it can be difficult to forgive, but it's something that we're called to. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we're condoning the action. Uh, when, when the Pharisees were trying to tra trap Jesus, uh, John 8, 11, with the adulterous woman, he, there was mercy given, but what he said was, what he said was to go and leave your life of sin. There is mercy given, but not condoning the action. Not condoning the sin. If someone did something harmful or damaging, it may be better, again, to distance and set healthy boundaries than to continue the relationship in the same way as it was before. Um, regardless, forgiveness is still required. And forgiveness isn't done for the sake of the one being forgiven, but rather for the forgiver. It's to help our hearts rely on God with injustice, to trust that he will provide, and to remember we have been forgiven a debt as well. Go ahead and turn over to Luke 17. 
Uh, and can someone read that? Can someone read Luke 17, verses 3 through 6? Again, Jesus is focusing on the hearts of his disciples. He says, pay attention to yourselves. All right. I'm going to try to say a Greek word. I'm probably going to butcher it. But uh, pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention is Prosecco. Um, You know, not Prosecco um, alcohol, but uh, Prosecco. Uh, And what it means is to be on guard. On guard for what? Jesus is saying, be on guard your own heart, your own sin. When someone else sins, there's a temptation. Um, A temptation can be to rebuke and not forgive. To forgive and not rebuke. Or even to do neither. Um, There's challenges with each of Rebuking without forgiveness, just absolutely acting out in anger or injustice. Um, Forgiving and then without rebuking can lead to the same of without telling the person how they harmed or how to uh, how they harmed you or how uh, what they did, pointing out their sin. um, Like they're likely to do it again or. To do neither is for both of those things to occur. Forgiveness is necessary for our hearts to not become embittered and to allow a bitter root to take hold. When we are sinned against, we fight the imbalance of justice, quote unquote, uh, that is going on in our minds. We want to right the wrong write that injustice. And a side note here is that there is an appropriate time, an appropriate place to rebuke, to right the wrong. But most oftentimes, the way that we want justice is not always going to be what we get. Our justice and God's justice is not the same. Anger can store up and hide itself in bitterness and pettiness Uh, Again, in this book by Timothy Keller, Forgive, he talks about that. And uh, I'm I'm just going to read a couple of sections. Keller writes, Hidden roots work in hidden ways. Unless you dig them up, they won't show until you've done something nasty that shocks you. Watch yourselves. Pay close attention to your heart. Unless you forgive deliberately, thoroughly, And with all the help Christ offers, your anger will defile you. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Just 
this idea of when you allow the bitterness and anger to build, the anger will defile you. What does that turn you into? Um, I wanted to put this in here too because he talks about Lord of the Rings for just a moment, and we're going to bring we're going to do that. So, um, continuing on with the quote from Timothy Keller, wrath means to be twisted out of your normal shape, out of your anger. Wraith comes from the same word. A wraith is a ghost that cannot rest. According to legends, ghosts stay in a, pl- in a place where something was done to them and cannot get over it or stop reliving it. If you don't deal with your wrath with forgiveness, your wrath can make you into a wraith, turning you into a restless spirit that is controlled by the past, someone who is haunted. Um, he talks about ring rates being controlled by the past. They are full of anger. Um, And it's the same thing of when we are controlled by the past, we are like a ghost. We are, when we're controlled by an anger, we are controlled by our past. I don't know if anyone else here can relate. I think so, but I find that it can be easy to forgive one person and hard to forgive another. One person, it can be seven times a day. That's nothing. Forgive them a hundred times a day. Or give them a thousand times a day. And another person, seven times a day feels impossible. I don't know if anyone else has that struggle, but it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, the disciples' response to forgive seven times a day is an increase of faith. It takes resilience and faith to forgive someone repeatedly for either the same offense or even multiple offenses that happen close together. Even one sin can be hard to forgive. If your heart is not right. It is okay to feel emotion. It is okay to feel angry. It is not okay to allow that anger to control you. It's what we do with our emotions. It's what we do with our anger that really matters. It's giving it up to God. It is releasing control. When you do, as Keller says, I'm sorry, jumping ahead of my emotions, jumping ahead of my notes. It's not okay to allow anger to control you. And when you do, as Keller says, We will live like ghosts haunted by our past. The things that you can give come with your increase of faith. So the more faith you have, the more you're able to forgive. The less faith you have, the less you're able to forgive. The more that you hold on to. We move forward with and by faith in Jesus. God is the ultimate judge. His justice is not like our own. And we can trust in him that justice is his. And again, not our own. It's an incredible thing of... Bless you. It's an incredible thing when... Jesus says this and the disciples' response is increase our faith because 
they're like, man, seven times, that's hard. <laughs> but again, it's something we're called to. We're called daily to forgive our brothers, our sisters, our coworkers, parents, whoever it might be. When we look at the cross, we can see ultimate sacrifice. 100% unmerited grace, unmerited forgiveness given. When thinking about forgiveness, we can often want to take vengeance or seek out our own justice. And that's kind of this is the thing with the cross is that the vengeance that was due to us was given and taken by Jesus instead. I'm going to read from 1 Peter 2, verses 23 through 25. They read, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Right, he bore our sins and took the punishment that we deserved. And as Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are like children of wrath. Deserving, fully deserving of the wrath of God. But because of this grace, because of Jesus we can have this relationship with him. We can give that same kind of grace and mercy to others. In closing, again, to forgive is to give grace. It's hard because we want to enact our own justice. We want to enact our own judgment. But judgment is not our own. Judgment is God's. We have to trust in his love, his mercy. Rely on him instead of relying on ourselves. Put our faith into him and not in ourselves. Because his will will be done. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for just this time to be able to come and just study out forgiveness to be able to see just how much how much we need to forgive, Lord, and how much it's for our hearts to to forgive, to give grace, and how much grace that you give daily, God. And Lord, if we want to be like you, how can we not? How can we not seek out you and how can we seek you out and have an unforgiving heart? Lord, I pray that. We can be humble to your grace. We can be humble to your love and love others with a forgiving heart, Lord. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that we could have this grace, so that we could have this life with you. Lord, I pray that your will be done. I love you. It's in Jesus' name.